The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to Crisis Marketing Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to share the framework and marketing strategies that we're applying here on the MarTech Podcast to give you a guide through the impact of the outbreak of the coronavirus. Each day this week, we're going to publish an episode that walks you through the five steps we're taking to evaluate, triage, secure, pivot, and scale a business during a time of crisis. Joining me again today is the man behind the scenes, my head of content production, Mr. Todd Hines. Todd, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back, Ben. Thanks. Okay, here's the second installment of Crisis Marketing Week, where Todd and I discuss how we're triaging some of the problems created by the outbreak of the coronavirus. So, Todd, once we really realized that it was time to hunker down and that our business was going to change, let's just talk through the mindset that we had. Just to set the table for anybody that didn't hear yesterday's episode, there was a shelter-in-place order put in place in our county, the San Mateo County, which is a suburb of San Francisco. The first week that I was back from paternity leave, and so this was my first week back in the office after a month, and we sat down in our new office and realized that the world was changing. My kids were not able to go to school. I was going to have to adjust my schedule. Let's try to revisit the mindset and what were some of the things that were going through our collective heads as we sat down and realized and identified that there really was going to be a big problem. I think initially it kind of felt like staving off some of the seasickness where you've got that constant wobble and that constant sway and and you're kind of trying to get your bearings about you and a lot seems unsure and there's a lot of information overload and keeping up with the news. And I think at first it's just getting your legs under you, getting some stability. And as we mentioned in the first part, thinking about what's really important to us, what are our priorities And then recognizing that even though things around us are changing quickly in many ways, there is still remains for us an opportunity to serve the community and create a lot of value. And so just revisiting what's important to us and thinking specifically about the short term and really plotting our steps one foot in front of the other was important in the early days. And really, we're two weeks into it. So it still does feel like in many ways, the early days. You know, we're in the suburbs of San Francisco, which is earthquake country. And a fair amount of the crises that I've been through, honestly, have been earthquake related. And one of the things that you have to be aware of when there is an earthquake, when the ground starts moving, is that the first earthquake might not be the last one. And I think that that mindset of going through crisis, realizing that another maybe unfortunate metaphor, you know, the bomb had dropped, but it doesn't mean that they're going to stop. 
So when we were going through the sort of evaluation and triage phase, my mindset was, let's check to make sure that everybody's doing okay. And honestly, Todd, we sat down. I remember you said to me, I'm like, how you doing? You're like, I'm not in a good place. I've been sitting just constantly refreshing Reddit boards and reading about the coronavirus. And we needed to go out and take a walk and start actually resetting and give ourselves the mindset where we were able to operate. You were very much deep into it. And, and admittedly, so was I. Talk about your mindset as we started to get back to work and how were you able to refocus? One thing that really helped me was when you were able to kind of take me out of that environment that I had created for myself, that news overload, that constant knee-jerk reaction to updates and Reddit news stories, and the help from the outside really to take me out of that situation or just to help recalibrate was super impactful. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's easy in a time of crisis to feel shell-shocked. And in reality, there's a lot of work to do. And my message to you at that time, as we think about you know, the two weeks before was, I get it. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. We got shit to do. So let's take a second, let's get collected, and let's start looking through our existing systems to try to evaluate where there's a hole in the boat, right? Where are we going to have problems dealing with the limited information that we know now, knowing that we're in a changing environment? So the first thing that once we sort of collectively got straightened out, and admittedly, it was a challenging time for me too. I just don't mean to say, hey, Todd was sitting here refreshing Reddit boards. Obviously, I was sitting here checking news stories and we got into the office and I was very concerned, panicked. You know, I was coming back from paternity leave. Everybody's nervous. I'm tired of shit. And the reality is, hey, we had to figure out how to modify our schedule. So to me, that's the first thing I think about is, hey, we're people first, make sure everybody's okay. And then the first thing you need to do is go through your existing systems and start thinking about how you could stabilize the core product, right? What is your underlying business? What are the things that you need to make sure you can always operate? And for us, that was, do we have enough content? Can the podcast continue to live on and survive? And how do we manage our schedule? Because, hey, my kids are pulled out of school. I was going to be home until 11 o'clock or noon every day instead of getting into the office at nine. And I have to go home at four o'clock. My day was cut in half. I'm the host of the show. And we went through a couple of different iterations of how we were going to make this work. Todd, walk everybody through what some of the things that we were thinking about in terms of how we were going to produce enough content to make sure that the show would live on. One of the best approaches, I think, was figuring out how to make the most of conversations that we were able to schedule and guests that we did have on the show and break that content into slightly smaller parts and structure those conversations in ways that we could produce three to five days worth of content for a very in-depth, insightful, and intelligent conversation with a guest, as opposed to in the past, we had done maybe a one and two part. So that was one way that we were able to get a little bit creative and to extend the value that we're able to offer with these guests. So just to clarify what Todd is talking about, whenever we have someone that is a guest on our show, what we'll do is we'll sit down and we'll record generally in an hour about two pieces of content. And what we started doing is we started stretching those instead of being 20 minute pieces of content, we shortened them to about 15 and so in an hour, we're now getting three pieces of content out, or we started extending some of the interviews for guests that we knew were going to be good. Instead of doing two or three pieces of content, we added an extra half an hour onto those interviews, and we started doing some more week-long series. So you're going to start seeing a couple of those week-long series come out in the next weeks or months. But really what we're doing is we were building more of a content archive. 
Some of the other things that we thought about were, hey, should we be republishing content? Can we be taking our existing content, republishing it, still providing value? And does that help us solve some of our content gaps if they happen? And the last thing we did was we actually looked and evaluated what content we had and how much padding we had. And fortunately, before I left for paternity leave, we had about a month's worth of padding. And then we looked at the editorial schedule and said, hey, we have almost a month worth of guests scheduled. If we're able to shoehorn all of those guests into my new content recording schedule, we should be okay. And you know, in the first couple of weeks, we've been able to build up our content archive to where we're a couple months ahead. So again, without going into too much detail about the operations of the MarTech podcast, the first thing we thought about was stabilize the core, evaluate our schedule, realize what resources we had available, try to figure out how to get the most out of what you're already doing and get creative. I think the second thing that we did outside of stabilizing the core product was we had to look at what resources we had. And this is really from me as a business operator. We had to sit down and I had to sit down and say, okay, how much cash do we have? How many account receivables do we have? What are our debts? Let's think about what runway we have from a business perspective. Yeah, Ben, real quick. I think it's important to note early on, one of the first things that came to my mind, which I know I definitely wasn't alone, was am I still going to have a job? How is this business going to continue to operate? And is the money going to still flow in? Yeah. And that was an honest conversation for Todd and I. And I said, Todd, we have five months worth of runway in terms of cash already on hand. And our accounts receivables were another seven months worth of runway. So we have roughly a year's worth of runway where we're able to operate our business without really making major modifications. Now, sure, maybe we're going to change our marketing spend and we'll talk a little bit about our short-term planning moving forward. But that brings us to the second part of like, hey, we've got cash on hand. A bunch of people owe us money and that's cool. But when the economy starts crashing, you know, it was time to start sending some emails saying, hey, you know how all of those bills are outstanding? Pay up, sucker. And I don't mean to be crass about it, but the way that we structure our agreements are they are prepayments before someone is a sponsor. And normally we're pretty casual about it. We let people go and we start the campaigns while the checks are coming. The next thing we had to do was check on, well, the accounts receivable. And the big thing here was, hey, we have five months worth of runway, but we have seven additional months worth of runway of people holding the money that they owe us. And so, you know, some of these were coming in big chunks. First thing I did once we adjusted our schedule to make sure we have enough content was to go and start calling the vendors and saying, hey, what's the status of these? And honestly, it was a little disheartening. Some of the vendors that we've had relationships with the longest, fortunately, said, hey, check is on the way. We'll figure a way to get that to you quickly. You're an important vendor for us. I will give a shout out to one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast, CallRail. They went out of their way to figure out new ways to pay their invoices going away from the way that they had paid us in the past to make sure that they were able to get their receivables to us quickly. Everybody at CallRail, we love you and thank you. There are some other vendors who you know we ran campaigns for that were essentially halfway done or already complete who said, you know what, we don't feel that we got value out of this campaign or sorry, the people that were on the marketing team that made this decision no longer work here and we may or may not pay you. So here's the thing that I'm going to tell you that I think will probably be the most valuable for this episode. This is the response that I would send to people to try to collect our accounts receivable and let them know that we meant business in a personal and professional way. Hey, Blank, I appreciate that you're trying to find a reasonable solution, but I'm not going to renegotiate our agreement. Your company committed to prepaying the invoice for our campaign. 
using the circumstances surrounding COVID-19 is not an acceptable reason for you to not hold up your end of our bargain. I realize that times are uncertain, but I'm still going to meet my ad-serving commitments with attribution before the scheduled end of your campaign. On a personal note, I realize that times are uncertain. Please keep in mind that I'm a sole proprietor who uses the revenue from my podcast to feed my family. Man-to-man, the right thing to do is honor the agreement we have in place. I also realize that you're probably put in charge of playing bad cop to save as much budget as you can. That's probably not a fun situation, and I'm sorry that we have to have this conversation at this point in our relationship. But in this case, the right thing to do and the most financially responsible course of action is to pay my invoice and avoid the late fees stipulated in our agreement. Look, I'm not telling you that every business situation is going to be the same. And the reason why I'm reading this email is I want to talk about the tone. I mentioned that obviously the people matter first. And there are lots of people, we've run into two vendors already, who have said, look, I'm just straight up not going to pay you. In this case, hey, look, this vendor came in and they did pay us in full. After they agreed that we were going to run the media and that they should hold up their end of the agreement, fortunately, in this case, this email worked. I said, you know what? Let's do this. We're going to give you a 10% discount. We're just going to chop off 10% off the top because times are hard. But we were able to collect 90% of the invoice and hopefully we're able to maintain the relationship. There's another vendor that we're working with who just said, hey, we're just not going to pay you for six months. Tough cookies. And what are we going to do? We're going to assess the late fees. And that's the reason why we have those in our contract. So my point for reading this is, I tried to write an email that not only addressed that there was a contract that was in place and everybody needs to continue to play by the rule of law and stick to their commitments and just be good people. But also I did throw in that part of the email that was on a personal note. I got where the person was coming from. At least that's what I tried to get across. And that, you know, finance managers all over are being beaten by their CEOs saying, go save the budget. And sometimes you got to stick up for yourself and put your foot in the ground and Some people are going to pay and some people aren't. Anyway, our accounts receivable issues aside, that was really the second thing that we focused on was focus on the people, stabilize the product, evaluate your resources, how much accounts receivable, how much debt do you have, when do you have to pay it? And then as we said, the other thing we had to do is reconsider our schedule. And that really has to do with the resources. So triage mode, think about the people, make sure everybody's okay, protect your core product, right? Make sure that you're still able to have enough product to sell Evaluate what resources you have, whether that's cash on hand, accounts receivable, amount of time you could send. And really, that's figuring out the lay of the land. That's the triage mode for us here at the MarTech Podcast. Todd, as we got through the triage process and started figuring out how much time and how much money we had, talk to me about what you were going through and how do you feel about where we landed? I feel great about where we landed. And I'm grateful that over the last couple of months through the end of last year, we were pretty conservative with our spending and putting a good buffer into the business bank account. So definitely grateful for that. And I think we've determined that we've got stable ground from a business standpoint right now. And I'm already kind of looking forward to the future and about how we're going to not only maybe cut down on some of our expenses, but mostly to continue with our cash flow in the coming months. And I think there's there's really good opportunity for that. I couldn't agree with you more as we sat down and evaluated sort of in a time of duress where we stood in the world. It was gratifying on some level. Obviously, you know, we were all very uncertain. Nobody knew what the impact was going to be. The stock market was tanking. We didn't know what was going to happen with our sponsorships or where business was going to come from. But when we sat down and looked at our business, 
we said, hey, we've got some room to run. We have enough time to figure this out. And so on some level, it made me feel like we were running a successful business, which as a small business is, you know, nice to feel. And then after we had that realization, it was time to get back to work and time to start being operators again. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how we started thinking about what our short-term plan was in our next episode. So that wraps up this episode of Crisis Marketing Week on the MarTech Podcast. If you'd like to hear more of Todd and my thoughts about how to manage through crisis and how we're dealing with the outbreak of the coronavirus, check back on your feed tomorrow morning when we talk about landing on our feet and setting our short-term strategy. Just one more link in our show notes that I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet, and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.